fans have been switched off. The cat is in the bathroom. And you know what that means, friends. It's time for Music Ray Gun. Welcome. I'm Paul Champanelli. I'm Kirk Pinchon. And this is NPR. Today. No, it's not. No, no. Not. Why would it be NPR? We're so much no. cooler than NPR. Just practicing my NPR voice. Yeah. Wonderful, Paul. Yes. How you doing, Craig? I am wonderful now that we've parsed through and seen all of the real worlds that we need to see. We have, indeed, as of this recording, the last episode of The Real World Homecoming uh, appeared a week ago. Yes. It's complete. We've watched it. We're going to talk about the conclusion uh, and wrap up our three-part series talking about the first season of The Real World. And then we're going to do our top five songs of 1992, the year of The Real World's first season. A great year. Boy, was it hard to pick just five. This was a rough one. This was yeah. a rough one, but I, I, yeah. I got through it and I'm very happy with it. Um, happy that the real world was only six episodes long. I was wishing it was at, by the time six rolled around. I was like, ah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It was it was pretty perfect. Yeah, uh, it was much more tumultuous throughout than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but the end sort of, it just sort of ended <laughs> just like the original season. It's like, well, it's move out day yep. and See ya. Uh, some things got sort of resolved and some things didn't just like real life. Yes. It, it really was really real. It had some of the, my favorite moments of the limited series and the worst moment of the series for me too. I was like, don't shut up. This show's stupid. <laughs> uh, I think I know what you're talking about, but we'll get to that. Alrighty. Let's back up. Let's back up a little bit to episode four. Yeah. Um, after episode three, Becky has left the loft. Uh, the rest of the cast is moving on without her, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, and and episode four focuses really gloriously on uh, King Norman. <laughs> King Norman. That's right. King, King Norm. Norman. Or or as we call him Norm, Norm. because he's our friend. Because he's our bud. We do love Norm. Yeah. Um, but Norm, it turns out, he hinted a little bit, I think, to times being tough in earlier episodes. But I think maybe I just read it as uh, it's a pandemic and times are tough for everybody. Yeah. But things during the pandemic have been especially tough on Norman, who is uh, an Angelino. He's a painter, and he also designed these um, very specific sort of laptop stands. That they heavily promote. That have a lot of utility and are designed for the airplane, but seem to be very useful overall. I was, I was impressed by the design. It's a great idea. The way that it, it is, is a stand for your laptop, and it can store an iPad, and it has like a little drink tray, and it's just sort of a very complicated but useful self-contained laptop work area yeah that he patented and produced and because of the pandemic all of his stock is stuck in a warehouse in china yes. and he can't get it can't get it anywhere yeah and here's what's also uh first of all was it weird for you because for me when i heard that he is living in los angeles in my head, I'm like, oh, I just assumed he was always for the rest of his life going to be a New Yorker. Like it would never stop. 
I knew that he lived in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I listened to a podcast a few years ago that was a recap of the first season of The Real World called True Story. Yes. Which is a joke that only real real world fans understand. Us true, Ho- true fans know. Hosted by Soul Coughing's Mike Doughty and MTV's uh, Dave Holmes yeah. for some reason. I guess they're friends. But they're great. Great. And, and I just remembered through that that um, Norman's just – he's been living in – Los Angeles for years and years. I have in fact, no uh, idea. He's been living out here so long that it was only a, I remember hearing or or knowing or reading or whatever that um Julie not long after the real world aired because of the real world was having trouble um you know in dance classes and getting work because everyone recognized her as Julie from the real world. Yeah. So Norman invited her to come live with him in L.A. when she tried to, you know, make it as an actress. Mm-hmm. And this was only a few years after the show aired. Oh. So Norman was living in Los Angeles since the 90s. Wow, that's so – I don't know why. It just seems like a New York guy. Well, I guess yeah. technically not because then he like – then they reveal that he moved to Michigan, back to Michigan. Yes. Uh, we learned from the reunion show that because of the pandemic, he – I guess basically ran out of money. Yeah. Couldn't make anything on his A stands, wasn't wasn't getting an income from his painting, just had no income, uh, and and had to. Well, see, I'm not sure because he was saying his landlady was selling his ho- his home, right? Like he yeah. he went back to Michigan for some reason during the pandemic to Ironwood, Michigan, his hometown, and he was saying because his landlady was selling the house that he was renting. He had he still had all his stuff there. Yeah. Like he didn't pack up and leave. He still had all his stuff there. So he must have still been paying rent. So I don't think it was like he couldn't afford rent and had to was basically homeless and yeah. had to move home. For for whatever reasons, he moved back home. Yeah, because he was working at home. Yeah. He's working in a yeah. bakery of his like cousins. He's working at the family bakery. Yeah. Which I really like because he's an Italian guy. He says he's Sicilian and it's a it's a very Italian bakery. You I, can tell I bet you that bakery is real good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In uh, I I don't know. I think it's in the Upper Peninsula where he's from. But um, but yeah, uh, he's working in the family Italian bakery, and I'm like, it's sad because he's fallen on hard times, mm-hmm. and he sort of had to ask for help from family, and that doesn't feel great. But also, it's like working in a bakery is honest work. That's great. Like, I I low key have a dream to just you know, it's a good be a baker. You know what I mean? <laughs> just something wholesome. Yeah, the town baker. Yeah. It's very wholesome. I love the idea of it. Hey, have you been to Champanelli's? Uh, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the cream puffs at Champanelli's are fucking yeah. dead. Uh, well, see, mine would be a Rhode Island bakery, so we would make our money on the uh, on the Rhode Island strip pizza. It's a special kind of bakery pizza that you can get in Rhode Island. Oh, wow. You don't know what I'm talking about, but it's like... I'm not going to get into it, but it's a, it's like a Rhode Island special thing I'm that you get at the bank. Going to look it up right after we're done with the pod. But I couldn't do that because I don't want to take business away from Deep Patrillers. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're too good, man. You're too good. Yeah, I, I don't want to put DPs out of business. They make the best the best bakery pizza. Anyway, uh, so so Norm's having a tough time, and that was hard to watch, watch because we love Norm, mm-hmm. and we don't want to see Norm. I was going to say fail, but as Kevin said, because the whole, all the roommates rallied around him, they were helping him build up his social media presence. They were coming up with ideas to help him out. And Kevin said, we're not going to let Norm fall. Yeah. And I said, you're goddamn right you're not, yeah. Kevin. 
because you're a good man yeah. and he's a good man. But the fourth episode was pretty focused on Norman's difficulties right yeah. now. And that's tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Yeah, especially because, you know, it's not like there's a difference between falling on hard times in your 20s and falling on hard times yeah. in your 50s. It's right. it's rough. I, I feel for him. Yeah. In your 20s, you're like, oh, this sucks, but you can bounce back a little easier. Your 50s, you really got to just kind of really just kind of yeah and he's single and he's and he's made a lot of he made a lot of allusions to just sort of being unlucky in love and yeah um perpetually single and uh you know i relate (laughs) i'm looking looking down the barrel of 40 i was recently unemployed i'm single i'm like man yeah i get it norman yeah it's tough it's tough but he does have you know Friends, even outside of this cast, it's clear that this is a guy with a lot of friends. Yes, definitely. I don't think we have to worry about Norman, really. Yeah, he uh, especially because be he's got he's got those bunnies now. And those bunnies are cute. Can you explain what the bunnies were to me? I didn't. I couldn't wrap my head around the bunnies. Uh you know, I couldn't wrap my head around the bunnies either. I just thought that it was like, oh, it's a cute cartoony picture. I don't know that. I don't really get the what it means or the importance of it or the the Mm -hmm. reference i couldn't i couldn't parse through it it just seemed kind of like a pop culture-y cartoon looking bunny that i was like oh that's cute i could put that on a bathroom wall well yeah he we got some sort of explanation and it seemed like a partial explanation and not enough to really explain it yeah but he said something like he was in a drugstore or somewhere and he saw because it was Easter, the chocolate bunnies, you know, the foil-wrapped yeah. chocolate bunnies. And he was somehow inspired by them. So he wanted to make paintings of, like, Easter candy chocolate bunnies. And we saw him make those paintings, and they looked good. They looked like what he was painting. But I didn't understand the inspiration, because when they were, when they were filming this, it was January. So I'm like, has this bit idea been sitting in his head since last spring? Or was he aware that this was going to air in oh, March and April? And yeah. he was thinking ahead to like, hey, if I make these now and it airs then, then people will want to buy them for Easter. <laughs> I mean, you never know. That could very well be the case because, I mean, everyone was shilling on the show. So I, I can understand why. Yeah. I can understand why. But, I hope, But to me, Easter when I think of Easter Bunny and then I see the brown bunny on the picture, the painting, mm-hmm. I go... Yeah, I don't get it. It just I don't think Easter or chocolate bunny. I just think oh, it's a brown bunny. So that's probably why the disconnect is. Yeah, the one that they showed on the show was like an unwrapped chocolate bunny. So it was chocolate brown. Yes. I I looked on his Instagram and some of the other ones were much more colorful. That's what I want. That's what I want. Yeah. 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 They were nice, and and I was so my heart went out to Norman so much that there was a brief five minute period watching the episode <laughs> where I was like, I'm going to bid on one of the bunnies. I want a corpy <laughs> hanging in my apartment. Wow. Really? I Yeah, I entertained the idea. I didn't follow through with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh I believe the bunnies did sell out, so so Norman sold his bunnies and him. I didn't spend any money. It's a win win. It's not my job to uh, I don't think I'm in a place to support Norman no. Corpy. I think there are people who are maybe a little more flush than I am who are fans of the show who could buy those <laughs> yeah. paintings. So I'm sure they went for a couple thousand yeah, each. Exactly. I mean, it's a, he's a known quantity. Yeah, he's a, he's a name. You know who he is. You support right. him emotionally. 
Yeah, and I'm sure if I came that close to, you know, if I entertained the idea that much, people with more disposable income than me uh, also entertained it. Exactly. Followed through. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that was most of episode four, and it was a really refreshing change of pace after all the Becky that we got. Yes, and then they did a 180. And then we went right back to Becky in episode four. Well, not right back yeah. to Becky, but we have we found out at the end of episode four that Julie has been texting with Becky all along since she left. And this sort of irks everybody else because basically everybody texted her to try to say like, hey, you know, whatever they said, still love you yeah. or come back or whatever. They all tried to communicate with her and she ignored everybody except for Julie. Yeah, like totally ignored Norm, her best friend. He was he was more than irked. He was very hurt and upset because they were friends yeah. and she ignored him. And I think she just I think she responded to Julie because Julie was the only one who didn't really pipe up. Well, I mean, the other ones didn't pipe up. For some reason she just decided that Julie was her ally. Yeah, that she was the only one she could talk to. And like yeah. I, I just norm like the end of norm, and they cut to Norm. He's like, fuck her. And I was like, wow. Well, hurt people hurt people, (laughs) Kirk, as they say. Well said. But in in episode five, we get two more big scenes with Becky. Julie goes out to find and talk to her and they have a conversation while they're on a walk in the city. Yes, yes. Watching watching the Staten Island Ferry because they took the Staten Island Ferry on a memorable episode. I do remember that, yeah. To see uh, uh, Andre's band band play on Staten Island. That's right. Yeah. And I think it was Becky who was like, tried to get out of it. She's like, they they went out partying before the show. And then she was like, I don't want to go all the way out to Staten Island. Yeah. And Julie or somebody said like, we promised him we would. We, he would go see you. That's he right. went to see you. Yes. And, and they did go, they did go see you. And she had a good time. She's glad she did it. Yeah, I remember that. Right. Yeah. But it was, Becky was the one who was like, I don't want to. Yeah. So that was sort of. <laughs> Prophetic. <laughs> But yeah, so Julie and Becky had a conversation giving Becky another chance to maybe just say, maybe not even change her mind, yeah. but just apologize for the situation or admit that she could listen more or whatever. But she just kept doubling and tripling and quadrupling down. Yeah, so much so that like at one point you could just see Julie kind of shut down and be like, I'm I'm not saying anything. I can't I can't even I'm not going to get involved in this emotionally because it's just yeah. it's not going to work. You could just see her face just go, okay. She she said as much explicitly in her interview mm-hmm. segment about what happened, but before she said it explicitly, like you're saying, yeah. you could see it happening. Yeah. She she said nothing in support of was what Becky said, yeah. and she also didn't argue with her because she knew there's no point in arguing. She's just not even after all the time she's had to think about this. She's in no way, you know, giving any ground. Yes. Yeah. This, this is a lost cause. And you can see the defeat in her eyes. And it was very sad. It was because she's just like, oh, I came out here and this yeah. is what I get. Okay. But this is what like this is why when people say like you have to speak up and you have to tell people they're wrong. I'm like, sometimes it's not. There's no reason to. Like, you just know you're not going to get through to people. And so if you're not going to get why perform, yeah. why do why go through the argument? If you're you know? never going to if this person basically is not going to be a part of your life anymore. Yeah. Then speaking up, what's the point? You're never going to see this person again. They're not going to change. And you've already witnessed everything that needs to be said to her being said to her. Yes. 
So it's like there's not going to be any rescue. So Julie just basically let her vent and complain about the way the conversation uh, went and then just sort of silently nodded yeah. and they parted. Yeah, it's like, okay, good chat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so that didn't go well. Yeah. And uh, you hated to see it because you really could tell Julie wanted to kind of rescue. She was really being the mom. Yeah. She wanted to direct this cruise ship and make everybody happy and get Becky back. And Yeah. She was really hoping for the like, okay, well, okay, I'll go back and we'll talk it out again. I don't agree, but I'll yeah. come back. And then she can bring her back and be like, look, let's try this again. It might not work again, but let's, let's try it again. Yeah. Didn't have, uh, the didn't person happen. whose attitude I found myself identifying the most with Andre. Very weird. Because <laughs> because Andre's like, oh, well. Yeah, he was really the most sort of practical and yeah. realistic about it. Like, you know, she she walked out. Yeah. She took her ball and went home. And I'm not going to waste my energy trying to, like, wonder if we can get her back or wonder how she's doing. And Heather was sort of the same way. Heather seemed. Yeah, both of them were like, I don't need this drama. I'm a, I'm a grown-ass adult. So yeah. if she's going to be this way. Godspeed, which is yeah. which is a very, you know, adult, middle-aged thing to do. Where you're just like, hey, if that's you, okay, fine. Have a good life. Yeah. Good luck with your future endeavors. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Some of the others may have been, you know, I don't want to be cynical about what Julie was doing. On some level, maybe she was trying to produce a TV show where it's like, this is not going to be great if she just leaves and then that's the end of that. Yeah. You know, we got to get her back so we have a happy ending. But I think uh, people are just like that mm-hmm. whether or not there are cameras on. Yeah. People want people want to create a happy ending. They want harmony. Yeah. Um but she knew during that talk it was hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. It was very sad to watch. And it it only got sadder as as the show went on. That wasn't the end of it. No. Cuz she agreed to a conversation but she didn't want to come back to the loft. She wanted to be on screen, Eric style. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Eric has COVID. You don't have COVID. Yeah. Just, I think I think Andre said that too. He was like, why do you have to be on a screen? Just come, just be in the room. Yeah. What are we going to do? You're like, in the city. You are yeah. in the city. Yeah, it's, it's childish. But we found out, I think, why. Because what happened was before she had a conversation with the group on screen, Kevin said, I would like to talk to her one-on-one. Yeah. Which he did. This was the he best. Brought... This was the best part of the entire series. This moment. Oh really? I, I, I was just... like so like, for the first time, I was like really super tense and really engaged. It's like yeah. oh, and it felt whether it was real or not, it felt real. It was the most intense Facebook. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, FaceTime conversation I've ever seen. Because Kevin took his laptop and went into a bedroom yeah. or the bathroom. I think it was the bathroom. It was the bathroom. Yeah, and there was a moment when she said, are you alone? And he said, yes. Yeah. And I think in that moment, he thought she meant without the roommates. And I think that she meant without the cameras. That could be it. And if that's the case, she already kind of signed away like we can use whatever. So she was probably right. screwed. So I don't think Kevin lied when he said that he was. No, alone. I don't think, I think so. I think he interpreted it as are the other roommates no, around? Yeah, no, exactly. I went to a private room, but the cameras were still on him. Yes, and he has this FaceTime conversation one on one with Becky, and it it goes exactly the same way as it did when they were in a group. It really does. He's just trying to reason with her, trying to make, and she's just not listening, and. 
it goes exactly the same way that it did before. And eventually she hangs up. on. Yes. But not before she's like, does that thing again of like, I don't have this problem with any other of my black friends. <laughs> right. Yes. And you're just it's like, a version of, I have millions you're of just black like, friends. Did you not yeah. just learn from a couple episodes prior? That's not the way to handle things. That was unbelievable yeah. that she doubled down on the like, I have black friends. Thing. I have black friends and I have Latino friends. Yes. And we don't, and we they don't, don't have, have a problem, have problem with, with me. me. And you could see Kevin just go, oh my God. Oh my God. Like, pe- people cannot, people think racist means I'm a bigot who hates people of color. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that. And I don't understand why people can't understand why that's not what it means that you cannot be a hateful or bigoted person but still benefit from racist systems like we really haven't learned this at this point well this person hasn't no. she doesn't want to hear any any nuanced description of it it's it's just pointless and she hangs up on him and and i think that's why she wanted to be on screen yeah so that it's an it's an easier situation to escape if you don't like the way it's going this time you can just you know Close your laptop yes. and, and and escape and it's gone. I mean, it, and you're not in a room with. People. If that's the case, then it feels like that was always going to be how it was going to go. Because you almost wish at some point that out of this out of this FaceTime call, at least it would be her going, "Okay, you know what? I love you. Um, we didn't agree on things, and I could have handled it better. I'm not coming yeah. back to the loft, but you know, know that you're in my heart. And you could have been like, "Oh wow, okay, well that's something." But no, it was. Click. Yeah, it was click. It was a, it was it was a legit hang up. It wasn't even it, like bye. It was just click. Yeah, I think he was in the middle of a sentence. Yes, and he cried. That that's that is what yeah. shook me the most. He cried fast. Like he wasn't like there wasn't. He just like it hit him hard and fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, crazy. It yeah, it was very emotional. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was just as upsetting. Because I wanted the happy ending too. Like, I don't know. It's it's frustrating that people are like that. We know that they are. Yeah. But. Or at least some sort of, you know, you're hoping for some sort of at least somewhat reconciliation and not yeah. not a hang up. Not actually things actually got worse. They didn't, yeah. they didn't even stay the same. They just got worse than it was before, which is it, hard to imagine. Yeah. She ended up like. Like octupling down on <laughs> on her arguments. She took all her chips and went, "I'm in." It was bad. She went all in. She went all, all in. in, and she had- now. As the series has been airing, I've been looking at her Instagram. Ooh! And after the second episode aired, which was the original argument, she 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 posted this big long like text, you know, on an image where she was basically like explaining herself again. Mm-hmm. Sort of making the same arguments. And that was up for a while. And then she took that down. And then when the third episode aired, sort of the same thing. She posted again, sort of trying to explain herself again, but not really. Mm -hmm. Still hasn't changed her view at all. And then she took that down. (laughs) And then like a couple weeks ago, she she deleted her entire Instagram. Wow. Again, those are red flags because – if you take, <laughs> put something up and delete it twice and then delete your yeah. account, you know that you fucked up. Here's the thing, though. She undeleted her account, <laughs> which I figured would happen. I think she just deleted it for the remainder of the oh, series. Okay. She posted this today. Okay. 
with it's an image of her uh you know giving her interview it's from us weekly and it has a blurb mm-hmm. quoting her basically exit interview and this is her caption from as we record this this is from five hours ago okay this is a short caption it says for the record now that the furor is over I thought we'd all learned all about this during the Trump administration. Apparently, I was wrong. Also, for the record, just not good or entertaining television. (laughs) Hashtag period. Hashtag moving on. Hashtag who cares. Hashtag no hard feelings. Wow. Hashtag bitter. It sounds like there are a few hard feelings. Wow. Yeah. So she's still just... That's so petty to be like, also for the record, just not good or entertaining can, television. Actually, it was very good and yes. very entertaining. Here's the thing. She mm-hmm. she literally did what Trump does uh, or what mm-hmm. Trump did when like he would get made fun of on Saturday Night Live. He's like, that show hasn't been funny for 20 years. No, exactly. she no that's what she means. That's what she, that's what she means. That's what she thought we learned. Oh, she thought we God. all learned that. <laughs> that's so, so bad. Yeah. So, no one got anywhere. Wow. Oh, also I saw somewhere, I didn't check it out for myself, but I saw an article about her that pointed out that she unfollowed all the other cast members on Instagram except for Julie. <laughs> oh, you know what the thing is, though, Including too? Norman. Here's, including Norman. Here's what's also funny. When that stuff like that happens, you mm-hmm. know that Julie's like, oh, fuck. So, she's right, following me now and I got to be friends with her? Right, I'm the one? Right. Fuck. I know. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I do have to say on some level, I do feel badly for Becky. Yeah. On some level. Yeah. That she put herself into it and can't see it. Totally hoist by her own petard here. But, you know, I I can empathize with her where like she thought she was going to go on this show and it would just be a nice reunion and there'd be no drama and probably didn't like she didn't go on there to start this conversation no, have this not. argument. She didn't go on there with an agenda. And I understand why she felt like it was a trap for her and why she got attacked by it mm-hmm. in her in her from her perspective. Yes. And now she's like this pariah yeah. you know coming out of this thing that nobody expected or wanted. I I doubt even the producers <laughs> wanted. Yeah. Because she's clearly alienated from the show. If they ever do a reunion again, I highly doubt that Rebecca will uh, participate. No, not at all. So even though it made for compelling and dramatic television, I doubt that the producers wanted to get that bad. Yeah. Um. So I I, I do understand. Like, wow, that that does kind of suck for her. But she play. I mean, she needs a whole roll of quarters to put in her ass <laughs> for how much she played yeah. herself. I mean, quarter after quarter is being played. Yeah. She, she did really play herself. Because also, yeah. yeah, she when she's like, I'm not here to be the Karen. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that you feel that way. And you're not but there you to be are. the Karen. But yeah. also. That's what Kevin said. Yeah. She's like, I'm I, like, she says, I don't want to be the poster girl for white privilege. And he just goes, then don't be. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Don't do it. Also, did you not think for one second that they were going to replay that clip? It was top five biggest moments of the first season. Of course, they're going to play that. Be prepared and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I knew they were going to show that because that was a crazy moment. Wow. Sorry. Guess hopefully we moved on. I think she was prepared for it, though. But her whole her whole point of view was like, that's how she was going to respond to it is say like, oh, you know what I mean? That's even worse. So wait, 
oh my God, so you're saying that she was like, yeah, they're going to play this clip. Here's how I'm planning to respond. And that's what she gave us. Ooh, right. That's even worse some way. And didn't expect anyone to have a problem. <laughs> yeah, like they would be <laughs> like, like, hey, that's right. You're right, Rebecca. Good job. Thank you for yeah. explaining that to us. Because you could see that in her face. Like when every, like Kevin's arguing her and like no one's supporting her. You could almost see her like going back in her chair like, oh, this isn't how this was supposed <laughs> this to go. This is not how I played this out in my mind. Yeah. Like I think her perspective was like we're Kevin and I are both going to agree that we both said some good things and some bad <laughs> things. <laughs> we're equal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. And it just what a what a what a cell phone. Yeah. A cell phone for the ages. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um but that that pretty much ended episode five. Yeah. Um, I don't think we get a peep out of Rebecca in the sixth and no. final episode. That was it. There was a hint that something was happening early in the episode. And I think this is what you were referring yes. to at the top of our podcast. Yes. There's a moment where there's a knock at the door. Everyone's talking to Eric on the on the monitor because yeah. he's still in quarantine. And there's a knock at the door. And a couple of people, in, well, a couple of the roommates think that Eric on the screen is like a pre-recorded thing and he's going to surprise them. Yeah. And I was hoping they were right, as implausible as that That would be seems. crazy if that was the case. Because I did want to see Eric in the loft yeah. with them. But I, it, it's, it was so unrealistic. Yeah. And then the other option is, oh, it's Becky and she's back and they're going to go through it again. Yes. Because uh, they want her in the apartment for the last episode or whatever, and I didn't want her there. And thankfully, it wasn't Becky. I would have, I would have preferred Becky to this. You didn't like this next segment? No, fuck this segment. <laughs> Who was it? It Karen? was the creator and the director of the Real World, the first season director yeah. and the actual creator, Bunham. Jonathan Murray of, Murray, of yes, Bunham Murray. Bunham passed away several years yes, ago. Years ago, yes, <clears throat> but. When they came in, I was like, oh, fuck. This is going to be a jerk-off fest. And it was. And it was. And I'm like, who yeah. cares? Like, that dude, yes. Uh, uh, Murray and his uh, uh, partner who deceased, yeah. they did basically invent this reality TV phenomenon. Good on them. That is amazing that you fell into this. I don't fucking care to see you in a real-world reunion with the first season. I don't give a fuck. And I don't, I don't care. I don't care. And everyone's like, oh, you guys did this thing and it was amazing. I was like, yeah, it was great. I don't want to see you. I don't have anything invested in you. None. Here's, here's why I liked it, Kirk. Because of that. Because it's not for you. And it's not for me. And it's not for the fans. It wasn't fan service. It was for the roommates. Because you could tell how genuinely happy they were to see these guys. Yes. Because when they were making the show, those guys were in their, like, the director was probably in his late 20s. Jonathan Murray was in his 30s. They were were making this. They cast them. They were there making it with them. They were their friends on the set. They were a part of it with them. We didn't see them, so we don't know who they are. We don't care about Mm -hmm. them. But the roommates genuinely seemed like they were seeing more old friends and really enjoyed that they were there. And I appreciated that as part of the show. It's not all fan service. To some degree, they're making this show for those people. 
not just the fans, but like it was cast member service. You never see that. I don't because no one gives a fuck. Because no one wants to see cast service because no one cares. I like that. I, I think do it I off think screen and don't show it to me on the final episode. <laughs> Thank you. There were parts where I was like, oh, come on. Like when, when Murray was like, oh, when we were casting London, we were in Belgium or something mm-hmm. like that. And a 16-year-old kid came off the street and told me how much the real world meant to him because Norman was gay and it was the first. Yeah. And and and. and which is nice, but it also sounded a made up, and yeah. b very self congratulatory. Yeah. yeah, I was watching this when this happened. I was like, "Ugh, this sucks." And I also wondered too if they were like, "Well, we need something. The show's winding down. This is the last episode. <laughs> Becky's not here. Becky's not here. Yeah. Eric is yeah. sick." We can't bring who else are we gonna bring? And so they're like, okay, well, let's just bring these guys in for a little bit and we'll do a thing. So it felt just kind of it was filler to me. To me, it was just unnecessary filler. Well, here's look, there were parts that were very self-congratulatory, or like what or even when it was just like, you guys were so brave and you're yeah. heroes, and it's like, shut up. But there were moments where it was just like a hangout, and they were like, Oh, remember that time you did this? And then they showed us some un- unseen footage, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, of like of that director messing around with the cast. And I was like, okay, now this is just sort of like the hangout that we've been watching. And even though this isn't a cast member we know, I still like the vibe. Yeah, I did. I didn't want to hang with them. They're, listen, Paul, there's talent and there's mm-hmm. behind the scenes. They need to stay behind the scenes and the talent needs to shine. You're wrong, though, because this is a reality show, so there is no talent. That is so bullshit. It's all talent. They <laughs> fucking cast them. If you're They're casting, all just people. <laughs> that got cast. They literally said, we cast well, you. they're talented casting directors and producers. Who casted talent? Yeah. And be- I will bet you anything. Look that- me in the eye. Look me in the eye. Tell me that Andre is talented. <laughs> Listen, I like that song, Monkey Monkey Bones. Lazy bones. Lazy bones. God damn it. I can't, I can't Lazy get it right. You like it so much, you don't even know. <laughs> I like it so much, I fuck up the title every time. Lazy Bones by Rain Dance. Lazy Bones That's is R-E-I-G-N. Good. Get it, man? Good. They rain. <laughs> they rain all rain over. Dance. They rain. Yeah. Um, man, they were so a hair metal band. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> they so started as a yeah. hair metal band. And then band. you kind of so like, obvious. we got to do something. Yeah. Uh, so then what did you, did you like the 90s party for, for uh, Julie's birthday? That was cute. That was yeah. cute. That was nice. And then they just kind of like wrapped it up, you know, nicely and it wasn't bad. It, and it was a slow wind down. Here's the thing that I hated the most of the last episode, so much more than the visit from the producers, was the song choice when they were saying goodbye outside the <sighs> building. Do you remember what it was? It was, I hated it because it was way too on the nose and it wasn't. Period. Correct. What was it? It was, an, it was 19. It was a song from 80, I believe 85, maybe 84. Oh, they, they oh, yeah. God damn it. What was it? I know. Exactly. They used Don't You Forget Don't About Don't You Forget About Me. That, by Simple that was Which bad. is like the most overdone. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if they used that in the original they did. series. I don't think they did. Because they used uh, all the, the last music. They used all the new, most new music, I think. Yeah. There might have been a couple of late 80s hits in there, but, but. I was like, "This isn't this isn't the correct song choice. It's too correct, and it's also way." It off. was all. It felt very much like them getting a megaphone and going, "Hey, Gen Xers, 
You love this yeah. song. This is your theme song, Gen Xers. Celebrate, Gen Xer. That's what it felt that like. Too. To me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I was like, no, there's got to be a song from 1992 that's better. There for had to have been. I, I can't think of it right now, but there definitely It's was. so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Look, that's on the nose. That would have been on the nose, but at better. least it's. Yes, at least it's period yeah, correct. Exactly. I would have taken uh, that. I would have taken yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Get some boys to men in there. Yeah, because that was very that's very timely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, it, it 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 began with a bang. Well, it it started with a, a bit of a whimper. Yeah. And then there was a bang way too early. <laughs> way early. Yeah. Way, way. Like you just know like they showed him that clip. So they could revisit the conversation. And then the conversation dominated the whole miniseries so much yep. that they never got to show them another clip. You know they would have showed them the argument with Kevin yeah. and Eric. And they definitely would have revisited the argument with Kevin and Julie. Yes, exactly. They would have done all three. But Becky dominated the series so completely from episode two that there was no room for anything else. Yeah. They're probably like, well, just dump this and ride this because this is this is the plot now. Yeah, yeah, which and is then, fascinating. Then, then the last episode was nice, but it did just sort of like, okay, well, it was nice when they went to see Eric at his yeah, balcony again, but they'd already they'd done, done that. It, so it was, was like, like okay, well, they did have the yeah. very last ending bit that I did love. I love that, that too. Yes. Oh, that was so good. That blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It was a clip, an uh, an unaired clip of Julie from when they made the original show. Yep. Where she's, you know, one of the producers is interviewing her one-on-one. She says, says something like, I think when you end it, you should just, like, turn the cameras off and not comment on it. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's basically describing the series finale of The Sopranos. Yeah. Is yes. which, <laughs> and then she yeah. goes, and then she goes, she prophesizes and goes, yeah, you should do more of these. Like, you should, like, follow <laughs> us again or just have, like, a different group of people do that. Right. And you're like, holy fuck, that's what they did for years. Yeah, because at the end it wasn't like a planned series. No, they didn't know just, what it was yeah. going to be. And the fact that she's like, yeah. yeah, once this is done, you should just like keep doing it. And I was like, yeah. oh, you are a genius. Yeah. 19-year-old Julie was both incredibly naive and like the most savvy yeah. person without even realizing it. Just Yeah, that's the thing too. It was just a 19-year-old woman just kind of going, yeah, here's what you should do. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? And then you're just like, you have no idea how right you were. Here's something she told us that completely turned my head around where I was like, oh, my God, of course she did. Because there was a very famous episode in the original series where Julie meets a homeless girl. Yeah, they showed a little bit of that again. Yeah. Her, this this homeless girl who was maybe around their age. Mm-hmm. She was a very young woman named Darlene who was living on this – well, under a bridge, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, who had – you know, it, it was addicted to drugs and – ended up homeless because of it and julie met her on the street yeah. and they were walking on the street and then decided like hey can i come stay with you like overnight julie asked like can i come and basically stay overnight with you and the other homeless people in your homeless yeah like camp basically under the bridge and you know they filmed that and julie talking to this young and all these 30 years, I was like, that was nice, but that was so produced. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so unrealistic. You know, like, that this MTV show, like, set her up and probably encouraged Julie. Yeah. Like, hey, we'll do a thing where you, like, hang out with homeless New Yorkers. It always felt, like, nice, but a little icky yeah. and very produced. And what Julie said in the reunion was, no, it was totally her idea. 
because she realized early on that anywhere she went in the city, even if she left the loft, the cameras would follow her to film footage. So if she did this, they would be forced to put a spotlight on this issue. Yeah, exactly. So it was actually Julie producing the moment, not the producers. Yeah. Like, oh, if I go and talk to homeless people, they're going to have to get that on camera. Yeah, so smart. And I was like, holy shit. That never even occurred to me that she knew what she was doing. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was being coached and like this was a produced sort of cynical segment. Exactly. I mean, me at 19 would have never thought to have done that. Me, no, I'm almost 40 and I never realized <laughs> that that's what Julie was yeah. doing. Oh my god! She's like, oh, they have to film wherever I go, so let me put a spotlight on. Yeah, I'll just go. The homeless person, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have, and then they have to address it. Yeah. If I, if I, if I do, yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's why I love Julie. How did I never? Yeah, That's why she's yeah. my number one. So that that made me emotional too, because yeah. I was like, God damn it, Julie! <laughs> as much as we loved you, we still underestimate. Yeah, we you. still don't. You were just peeling back the layers of your yeah, genius. Yeah. So, that was wonderful. That's exactly the sort of thing I wanted to get out of this whole reunion yeah. was insight into the stuff we saw 30 years ago, you know, and, and then we get maybe a little bit more behind the scenes stuff yeah. of, of, of what we saw and what was really going on. And so that was a great moment for that. Yeah. But instead, most of the series was, you know, Hurricane Becky. Yeah. That's what it became. Man. That was crazy. It's still great and still entertaining, but just and timely. But still, you're just like, wow, they weren't. It, once again, it's something they weren't expecting. They got again something they weren't expecting, yeah. which is crazy. I really almost wish she wouldn't. She like she wouldn't have participated. You know that for some reason she wouldn't have been able to do it. Mm -hmm. And then we could have just lamented that Becky didn't get to come back. But then we wouldn't have a different opinion of Becky. We'd just yeah. be sad that it was only the six of them or whatever. Yes, because and then they would have shown that clip, and that clip would have been like, "Wasn't that crazy?" Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and then that would have been it. Yeah, and then we could have gotten maybe that conversation between Julie and Kevin, yeah, or Eric and Kevin, where it would have been so much more constructive, yeah, and not even more destructive than it was thirty years yeah. ago. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was good. It was good TV, but it was it was more upsetting and depressing because of Becky than I thought it would be. Yeah. But all the rest of it was great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Everyone turned out great. Yeah. Thank God Eric is in a good place because Eric could have easily slipped through the cracks on us. Thank God. This is going to sound crazy because, again, I don't think I would have – I don't personally want to hang with spiritual Eric. Right. Uh, but thank God it's spiritual Eric and not L.A. douchebag I'm a reality show producer, Eric. That's the amazing thing about the new Eric Nice is the, everything about the way that he is now should be so insufferable. Yes. And I should hate him so much. But it is so obvious that it is 100% genuine. Yes. And he is someone who has gone through a lot of difficult things and is now a person almost as completely at peace as you can be as a human being. Yeah. He looks so fantastic. He seems really happy. Yeah. And none of it seems like a put on. None of it seems like that Hollywood douchey thing. Yes. And I'm just like so weirdly happy for him. Right? Like, right? Man, you really figured it out yeah. for yourself. Because if he, if he came back as like, yeah, I got a production company here and, 
You know, yeah. and you'd been like, of course you do, dude. Of course you He's do. like, no, I live in a yurt in <laughs> yes. Peru and I, I'll never be happier yes. than I, you know. I spent all my days meditating and I yeah, feel fucking like, great. Hey man, you found what it is for you. Yeah. You know, like I couldn't be yeah, more thrilled. He won life for him, which is great. He's, he just looks like there is re- there really is like an inner light for yeah. him. And he, I, it's wonderful. It's crazy that we're saying that about Eric. Yeah, and he's still dancing to check the rhyme and having Fuck fun. Yeah, and he's he still Eric Nice. Yeah. He's, you know, but he's just, he really is like, seems like he's really the best version yeah, of himself. Good on him. And I went on his website, and if you want to, you can pay him to live with you in your home for two weeks and like do ayahuasca with you and go through his spiritual training or whatever. <sighs> It's, it's like fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> wow! Hold on, I'll, I'll give you his rates. I'll <laughs> yeah, give you his rates because I want to. Uh, yeah, you. I mean, you can do like a video conference with him for just a few hundred dollars if you want. But he'll if you if you know it's like a few hundred dollars for remote coaching. But if you want the full one week transformation, it comes in three tiers. I'm going to tell you <laughs> tier three. Please, tier three. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's a few thousand dollars for the tears, but if, if we go to his deep healing and transformation yes. section, um, he has an in-home transformation, two-week in-home transformation. This is a two-week commitment where I move into your home <laughs> and offer full transformation. We will focus on nutritional training, breath work, meditation, grounding, a liver and gallbladder flush, a kidney cleanse, as well as full intestinal and digestive tract detox. Eric Nice will give you an enema in your own home. (laughs) We will focus on healing emotional and ancestral lineage, healing from childhood traumas and programs. I will assist you in identifying and dissolving judgments, fears, and subconsciously programmed limiting beliefs. This will include guided breath work, cold plunges, and three bodywork sessions. All that for... The low, low price of $15,000. Wow. He also offers a drug rehab program in home for $20,000. Wow. The $15,000. I would do it and then just constantly be like, hey, what was it like doing the grind? <laughs> that's the thing. That's all I was thinking yeah. is how does he deal with people who pay him for this? And then when he gets there, they just want to talk about the grind. Yeah. Here's the grind. Hey, when you were in Above the Rim, that basketball yeah. movie, you were great. How much basketball did you have to do? I, that's all I would be doing. He'd be like, you know, take your fucking now, money back. I'm done. Do you ask him that question while you're cleansing your colon? Oh, of course. That's because you get him off guard. Oh, yeah. A digestive tract. Yeah. Full intestinal and digestive tract detox wow uh yeah that's great no it's yeah <laughs> that's great it's only f- man if i had 15 grand to just throw, to throw around, away would, just for the fuck yeah. of it oh yeah <laughs> this is a two-week commitment where i move into your home eric niece will be your roommate for two weeks and cleanse your colon and your spirit for just fifteen thousand dollars if i had the extra 15 just kicking around and just like burning a hole in my pocket that would be your birthday gift <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Paul. Eric Nice yeah. is living if with you I for two just, weeks. If I were just idly rich and I just had – if I were a millionaire yeah. or a billionaire and I just – I would totally have Eric Nice come to my house. Like I am t- so not into spirituality yeah. or – or but if if I did decide to hire a guru, absolutely I would choose I Eric I mean he's, he's, he's number one on the list. 
Not just because I'm a fan, but because, as I said, on the show, he looked like he really figured it out. I believe that if anybody is legitimate at this, Eric Nice is legitimate. He would at least get you somewhere. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but but that's sort of it. Yeah. I mean, the show just sort of ended yeah. and petered out, kind of. But it was – I am uh, absolutely satisfied with having paid the for the premium uh, – streaming service that we will not name because (laughs) they're not sponsoring yes but it was it was definitely worth it i really enjoyed that reunion i i i got choked up it was uh you know i i guess i'm i'm getting to that age where things i grew up on will have reunions and and, uh, retrospectives and things and the real world is one that i really would have wanted It'll it'll be one in many but that was a good way to start yeah so let's talk about the year 1992 and the music of it yeah it's a good year, man. It's a um, good year. You want to do honorable mentions? I have. I'm going to flip the script. Yeah. I had a bunch of honorable mentions and then went, you know what? I'm only going to give two and then I'm going to give a not honorable mention. I did the exact same thing. I had so many and then I was like, no, nah, man, just pick two. I'm going to pick two. two. One, uh, one you're like, I don't know who this is. His, there's a group mm-hmm. there called Portrait called Portrait that was kind of tail end New Jack Swing. They had a song called Here We Go Again. Uh, it came out right when I moved to Chicago, so I has fond memories of it. But one that I know you're going to love, uh, honorable mention, is uh, Das Effects. They want effects. Oh, they want effects. Das Effects. Bum skiddly bum skiddly bum. <laughs> Snap your neck for some Das Effects. <laughs> and then I had to mention this because as bones connected to the leg bone, hardy har har har. So good. Oh, really good. Really so good. So good. But uh, I had to bring this up because I was curious if you knew this song. Mm-hmm. As I was going through 92, I was like, oh, fuck this song. I hate it. I'm going to make it a not honorable mention. <laughs> and it's. It's probably on my list. How do you talk to an angel from the high? How do you talk to an angel? Saxophone <laughs> solo. That was. That song was everywhere, everywhere in 1992. And then you never heard it again. Yeah. It was one of the biggest hits of the decade, and then it disappeared because it just sucked. It sucked so bad from that stupid fucking show. Oh. Well, that's I think that's why it disappeared, because it was an immensely big hit song from a TV show that bombed. Yeah, it was a huge bomb. Nobody watched the show. The song was huge, but the show had no cultural resonance whatsoever. So it was like a one-hit wonder built on sand. Like, <laughs> yeah. There was no oh, way to support point. its – you can't you – can't, last forever when the show that you're sprung from it was a show about a band yeah, it was a right? show about a band like a, in the 90s so the so the song it was like the archies yeah it was a song by a fictional band yeah. the heights right yeah, exactly yeah but i do remember it very well i love to reference it because it's such an obscure and hilarious thing oh, it is it's so just like oh and it's so yeah. bad it's so just how do you talk to an angel, angel such, by the heights uh, fuck that song Oof. Yeah. yeah, that was everywhere. Yeah. That was everywhere. What was that? I remember being in a subway in the twenty in the two thousands <laughs> and hearing it and just being like, "What the fuck am I hearing?" It was like two thousand and eight, oh and I was God. and I was in the subway getting a sandwich. And how do you talk to an angel? Comes up, I'm like, "What radio station <laughs> is playing? This? Who is playing this song?" Because you don't hear it anymore either. It's not like it's no. like in heavy rotation on nostalgia channels. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, this this station is going for deep nostalgia. Yeah, these are deep cuts. 
Yeah, I'm so glad you brought oh, that soccer yeah. because yeah, no, of course. Not only do I know it, I'll never forget <laughs> it in a bad way. It's an earworm too. If I randomly remember it, I'll have at least a day of just going like, "How do you talk to an?" Angel? You'll be singing that tonight and tomorrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What good pull? Good what pull. were your honorable mentions? Everything on TLC's first album. Okay, yeah. Uh, if I had to pick one, it would be "What About Your Friends." Great song. Oh, we've talked about it. great yeah. song. Ain't too proud to beg was the first big yeah. one, and and what about your friends is the follow up. But I, I prefer what about your friends. Yeah. Uh, I love early New Jack Swing TLC, yeah. and and that album was everywhere. Yeah. Um, it just didn't quite make my top five. And then uh, my other honorable mention might be on your list. All right, it's Rage Against the Machine with their signature song, "Killing in the Name." Oh, it is not, and uh, okay. only because I forgot that was ninety two. Gotta love that song. There's also a very specific reason why it didn't make my list. As much as I love it, as iconic as it is, it's longer than five minutes, so it's disqualified. <laughs> five minutes and 13 seconds. 13 seconds. Too long, fellas. Tighten it you up. You could have had it. You could have been on Paul's list, but you fucked it up. Keep it tight, Let's Zach. Keep it tight, Zach. That's and on Tom. you. He was only 22 when they made that record. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Can you imagine? That would be like, that's like a kid born in 1999. Oh my god! That record today. Can you imagine someone born in 1999 having that much gravitas and energy and and just political awareness? Oh my god! Maturity? No, no. That song is amazing. I love that song. It's just 13 seconds too long. Could could it just trimmed a little? And that's why instead, at number five, I've got the Lemonheads. Sorry, Rage Against the Machine. You got bumped (laughs) by Evan Dando. He got he got played by the Lemonheads. I love the Lemonheads. I think the Lemonheads get dunked on a little bit. I think because Evan Dando was so pretty and so lusted after by like college girls Mm. that no one took him seriously. But he's a great pop song writer. It's a Shame About Ray is a terrific album. I picked a random album cut. It's not a single. Mm -hmm. So unless you know the album really well, you might not know know it. It's, It's called The Turnpike Down. Nope. It's, yeah. There's no reason why you would know it because yeah. it wasn't a hit. It's an album cut from It's a Shame About Ray. But it's my favorite song on the album. But it really stands in for the album. I'm really surprised to hear say, because I mean, I know the Lemonheads and people that I know like the Lemonheads. I've never mm-hmm. heard them being dunked on. Not really dunked on, but I feel like sniffed at by by music nerds. Oh, you know what I mean? Okay. If, not, if not now, then back then. Yeah, Even okay. then I got the sense that like, oh, Evan Dando's a pretty boy. Oh, and so know? he can't do good stuff. And yeah. Right. Because he's ever, he's like, all the girls have crushes on Evan Dando. Mm-hmm. So he's not cool. He's not legit. You know? Yeah. But he was part of that, you know, it's, 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 it's Massachusetts alternative. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Juliana Hatfield oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. was in the Lemonheads with him then, and I love her solo stuff. Mm-hmm. I love his solo stuff. I love them together. Uh, that whole scene, that whole Massachusetts early '90s alternative scene. Um, you know, it's sort of adjacent to uh, throwing muses and belly. Yeah, you know, being down in Rhode Island, and um, of course, Jay Maskus was from Massachusetts. The Pixies were from Massachusetts. There's good New England alternative. Yeah. From the late eighties, late eighties and early. There was definitely a scene. I, yeah, and uh, I still love even newer stuff. Like I love uh, 
Evan Dando. He's great. He's 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 but he's solo some, he's, now, right? He doesn't do Lemonheads. They don't. I think it's a little of both. Oh. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. Someone someone took a video of him that I saw on Twitter a few weeks ago where he was playing uh, a song from "It's a Shame About Ray" in like a CVS <laughs> because <laughs> because he had dropped his hat and tweeted that he couldn't find his hat and like I guess the guy from the CVS had it because he dropped it in CVS and saw the tweet and was like hey Evan I have your hat come get it and so he went and got it and then like in thanks uh, just did an impromptu wow. sort of in in CVS that's concert that's crazy and I, I was like this is great and then I realized he's not wearing a mask and he's just singing in a CVS oh, no. during a pandemic and I was like oh, oh Evan you're so close man yeah but uh, yeah, I just love I love the Lemonheads. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I've got a whole they seem like of a, Lemonheads. <laughs> uh, they seem like a Paul band. Yeah, definitely. My number five is definitely a Kirk artist. Charday, uh, mm-hmm. no ordinary love. <sighs> okay, Paul. You, I think of Sh- I think of Charday as as pretty eighties. I don't know her nineties. Oh, stuff. she came back hard in this album. Yeah, because this was her fourth album, mm-hmm. uh, Love Deluxe. Love Deluxe? Yeah, I love Deluxe. And um, it was one of those, she had like a three-year gap and she'd gone through like a bad breakup and so this was like kind of a comeback album. It was a huge, huge album. No Ordinary Love was um, the single from it. Paul, you'd hate it because it's seven minutes and 20 seconds Uh, long. Why? It, like, there's a point where there's like, She's done singing. There's no yeah. more singing to be had. And it's about a minute 30 more of just instrumental. <laughs> I feel like that just happens in, in R&B and, and Kirk music more yes. than oh, yeah. in rock. And, yeah. and I'm always like, yeah, I'm fine. Because I, I complained the same way about Prince. Like, God, Pink Cashmere really is perfect, except it does kind of go on a it little bit. It goes on a bit. Because then he's like, let's get orchestral. Yeah. Right, yeah, Charday right. does that where she's just like, okay, I'll just kind of like sing a little bit in the background for the next minute and a half, but mm-hmm. we're just gonna slow play this out. And yeah, but blow Branford, blow. <laughs> <laughs> but this was definitely uh, I played the fuck out of this. I just moved to Chicago, yeah. uh, put it on mixtapes, still play it to this day. I, I bet, especially as I get older, I bet I could really get into Shade. <laughs> oh, dude. I mean, it's it's just rainy day stare at the wall music. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I hear, like, the sweetest taboo, oh, I'm like, God, this is really fucking good. I love the sweetest taboo. <laughs> just the I'm best. like, I could really sink into a whole album of this yeah. if, I, if I did, you know, yeah, she, if I took the time. She did the three albums pretty much back to back in the 80s, then took like a three or four year break. Then took a yeah. ten year break, and then came back mm. with Soldier of Love. So she's she's very uh, mysterious. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that most of the songs on that album are at least five minutes. Oh, they're all long. They're long. Like Kiss yeah. of Life is like six goes. minutes long, and you know, yeah. yeah, couldn't love you more is probably like five. Yeah, it was also just a thing of the of the nineties, I think, because now you've got CDs. You can make a CD longer than an L, than a vinyl LP. Like there's more room on it digitally to make longer songs and people thought hey if we can then we should and they were wrong about that but i feel like Agreed to disagree. you know what i mean it was it, the cd era was an album oriented era yeah because you know? you're like well fuck if i can make it longer it's not going to be a big deal technologically wise let's just yeah. do it 
Yeah. Yeah. But uh, seven minutes, 20 seconds. I'll, I'll give it to Shadi. Yeah, it's the kind of music that is it like that, that can stretch a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you can stretch it because yeah. you're making love and you need. I don't want to hear a punk song go on. For no, minutes, that's. But, yeah. But let Sade's band vamp. Yeah. That's okay. Let them just kind of go and play, play around. Yeah. 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 That's my number five. Uh, my number four is my favorite song by this band, but it's on my least favorite album by this band. Okay. You get it? Yes. It's the Beastie Boys. So what you want? Oh, from Check from Your che- Head. From Check Your Head. From that's Check your, your head. least favorite Beastie's album? I didn't say I don't like it, it's your but least it's favorite. my least favorite. Oh, it's my least wow. favorite. Oh, and, and to be fair, I sort of stopped paying attention after Hello Nasty. Okay, okay. So I'm not that familiar with like, some to the five boroughs. Or, yeah. But uh, yeah, So What You Want is definitely my favorite. Oh, so What You Want is... I mean, that could it's, be a top five. It still five. hits so hard. That could easily be they a top could, five Beastie song. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, that that's the song that made me go, oh no, I like the Beasties. Right, because I mean, they're real. The first album is almost like a joke. Yeah, I hate the first album. The second album, you're like, well, that's interesting. I'm not really into it, but I kind of appreciate it. And then the but third it's album. more like oh they're the sec- as much as people praise Paul's boutique it's like they're still kind of the same three guys but now Prince Paul is giving them some really interesting production yes and all the genius on it is like is is there it's the production the samples that's the and genius. the production yeah. and, the, and the Prince Paul touch and then check your head is like oh no they fucking rule yeah that's exactly <laughs> right you're like holy shit they're yeah. fucking great band I love them yeah. Uh, yeah and it all came from from uh, what you want. Yeah, and it's it's they're not they're sort of doing gangsta, but also it doesn't it's not like uh the funky headhunter where you're like, no. "Oh, times have changed and Hammer's trying to keep up." With the Beasties it's like, "No, they started as a punk band, so they're just sort of bringing back what they originally were anyway yeah. and adding it to the hip hop and it works." Yes. And it's great. 100%. It's kind of like that DIY 90s grunge thing where because the, they're like yeah we're gonna go back to playing instruments and fucking yeah. around with that and they came back right. with some just killer shit like they're like okay now we've proved that our hip-hop credentials are legit and our punk credentials are still legit yeah. and we're gonna serve them both to you yeah and you're like please yes give me the double helping of beastie <laughs> yes thank you very uh, <laughs> much i want all of this right yeah. right right that's a great poll that's a good call yeah i love that my number four this is my outlier. This is, I'm not sure what you're going to think of this. Uh-huh. I love this song. I'm just going to say. Why it. do I have, I have a feeling like I know what you're going to say. Do you want to guess? Saying. No, because I, what I have in my mind is, is my next song. Oh, I don't think you'll have this. It's my okay. number four is one by you two. Oh, <laughs> gross. A barf. <laughs> yeah, Octung Baby came out in 92, Octung didn't Baby it? came out in 92. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like uh, early 92, like February or something like that. Or fucking, yeah. I, love, I love one. Oh, I have no problem with one. A lot of people love one. Love so one. that's okay. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> Paul's got nothing to say about it. Hey, I don't like it as much as With or Without You. Uh, but I do... I, I love one. It's a, I think it's a beautiful song. And it's it's okay. it's it's some of the U2 that I like. I don't like all U2. Look, I, I like some U2. I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. I mean, when I think of how much I hate U2, one is like 
what I think of. But it's also like the song that even other songwriters are like, wow, when they put that out, it was just like, holy shit, that's yes. that's just an eternal, iconic, instant standard yes. classic. You know, I don't like what it. What do you not like about one? Because it's, is it quote unquote soft? Is it is it too? Yeah, too- it's just whack. Like Bono just sucks. It's so bono What if it wasn't Bono? What if this? What if this was? What if this was Sting going singing one solo, exact same sound? No, it's the no. I just don't. It's it's very. It's too. It's VH. What if it was Tom Waits? <laughs> we're, one, <laughs> we're not the same. We're not the same. We carry we each other. We each other. <laughs> we do it again. You know that song exists. It's his version of Downtown Train. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, that's what that would be. Exactly. You know what? If Tom Waits did it, I would fucking love one. He'd be like, this is the greatest <laughs> song ever. Oh, I want to hear that. Oh, Tom, cover one by U2. Did I disappoint if Tom you? Waits... <laughs> did I disappoint you? If, if Tom Waits covers one, it will probably make me love U2 across the board. You'll come on the air and be like, I'll have to reevaluate wrong. one of my longest held. Uh, shitty <laughs> attitude takes about music. That would be great. I hated you two for so long. <laughs> Imagining the Tom Waits version is making me reconsider yeah, the song. Making you, you think really, it. you really nailed it with that hypothetical. <laughs> wow, my mind is blown. Yay. Yeah. Yep. Um, I liked. I at the time, I really liked. Um. Uh, mysterious. Oh yeah, ways. I still like that too. Yeah, and I'm not mad at even better than the real thing, which I oh, think yeah. is on Octung Bay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as much as I dunk on you too, I, I'm willing to make exceptions, and some of them are from that album. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> just one. not one. <clears throat> some of it isn't even the song's fault. Some of it is how overplayed it was. Oh yeah, at the time and ever. Since. Oh yeah, it's constant. It's everywhere. Like, just sick of it. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, so that one's not for me, but but I get why you yeah. picked it. Yeah. So, but my number three, which I almost thought you were going to say, and I'm like, Kirk, I'm 95% sh- sure you hate this song. Okay. But 5% of me is like, maybe it's one of those outliers that I'm going to be surprised that Kirk's like, no, I love that song. <laughs> oh, I'm like, exciting. really? Because on paper, you hate this. Okay. I'm almost embarrassed to like it because it's sort of corny, but I, at the time, I was so in love with this song and its iconic video, and I would uh, just every time it came on i really dug it and so there's so much nostalgia built into mm-hmm. this one for me uh it's by a band called sort of a one-hit wonder band called blind melon <laughs> and the song is no rain okay and it's iconic b-girl video when the late mm-hmm. no rain came out i hated it i've since learned to really like it Okay. I've since okay. learned when it first came out, I was like, who the fuck is this blind melon? But in the past yeah. maybe 10 to 12 years, I've been like, no, this is, and not even so much for the nostalgia. I'm just like, oh, this is really fucking catchy. It's really it's catchy. Really catchy. I think they weren't done any good by the, like, they sort of were Guns N' Roses adjacent. I think Shannon Hoon was friends with Axel. Yeah, isn't this an outlier they, song for them? Like it's kind of. I never really got into their other uh-huh. stuff, but I think they came out of the LA hair metal scene. But they were positioned as like a hippie yes. band. 
like a lot of daisy imagery and in the video they're sort of frolicking in a meadow and they're they're all sort of long-haired neo hippies yeah yes but the song the song isn't like a neo hippie song no no it's the, the packaging was yeah. of the video and stuff although the, the whole b-girl thing is great oh yeah it's genius and I love, like, you can find that girl. I can't remember her name, but she's, you know, she's my age and she's married with kids now. But she loves the whole B-girl thing. Oh, that's nice. Like, I I looked at her Instagram. She'll still dress as the B-girl for Halloween. Good honor. She'll post pictures of her, like, as B-girl from back then. She got to do, she got to dance at the Video Music Awards at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she got married, they had a B-themed wedding. Oh, she God. embraces the B-girl. Well that makes should. me so as happy. Well she should. Yeah. Yeah, and she's not, like, trying to be a slave. She's just a regular person, but she's like, I was the B-girl, and I'm happy about it. Um, yeah, that song just makes me happy. It's a good song. It's got a great guitar solo. I don't like guitar solos, but it's got a great guitar it's cause solo. It's because it's catchy. It's not It's not showy. Yeah. It's part of the song, which I like. Yeah. Yeah. And the arc of the narrative arc of the song, it sounds very melancholy, mm-hmm. and it sort of gets happy, and it just goes into this blissful place. Yeah. I really love that song. And it's sort of like a cheesy 90s one-hit wonder, but I genuinely... I don't ever consider... It is definitely a one-hit wonder. Definitely not cheesy. If you would... If we were doing a podcast in 92, I would be like, ugh, Blind Melon, whatever. But now, I am like, oh, no, no, no. That's That's a legit good song. A good pop alt song. Yeah. And I also have to say, the reason I don't like to categorize it as a one-hit wonder is... They didn't fail to have more hits so much as Shannon Hoon died. Yeah. Like less than two years later of an overdose. And so the band didn't continue to exist. Yeah. There weren't opportunities for lots of Yeah, they didn't get to follow up on it. It just ended. I remember when it happened, I was very sad because I I loved that band and that song. Well, I say I love the band, but I really only kind of knew the one song. Yeah, I know no other song by them. But that's a good good pull. I like Blind Mel. No, that's good. It's a bit of an outlier for me, but I like it now. Sure. Definitely. Um, my number three we've talked about. I don't need to say that much more about it. It's Humping Around by Bobby Brown, which is literally <laughs> yeah. him and Teddy Riley going, hey, we had a huge hit with my prerogative. Let's just basically do that on steroids and make it a little faster and it'll be a fucking jam. Yeah. And that's what it was. Uh, that's when I became aware of Bobby Brown. That makes sense age way age wise because like yeah. you've been a little too young in eighty eight for you to process who uh, he was for Don't right. Be Cruel. As as I mentioned a couple episodes back, I went to see Ghostbusters two in the theater <laughs> with my brother and my cousin. So I know that I at least heard the song from Ghostbusters two, but I didn't. I don't remember it as a hit on the radio. I didn't know who Bobby Brown yeah. was. I just heard the music. Humping around was huge. I was like nine years old. Uh, you know, that's the song I remember. Yeah. And I was like, oh, who's this? Oh, it's Bobby Brown. Who's he? The guy who makes this <laughs> song. Like I said, I, I, it would be years later until I heard of New Edition. But, yeah. Yes. And got the full picture. Wait. And then it was just like, oh, it's Whitney Houston's husband. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. He's got some songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Ghostbusters song was actually, I kind of like that song. It was a medium. Oh, no. Yeah. It's good. It's a good song. It's good. But I love Humping Around. I love totally Humping Around. Yeah. And it was a great mm-hmm. hit. It's a great album too, that that uh, the Bobby album, because it's like, well, it's like sixteen songs, and you're like, dude, you could have made that ten, 
and had a killer album. <laughs> you just you just yeah. ha- added too much. Like, again, the CD Again, thing. the CD era. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, let's have skits. And it's like, oh, an album can be 80 minutes now? Well, let's make it 80 minutes yeah. instead of 45. Which is funny because uh, in 88, Don't Be Cruel, you know, CDs weren't as big. Eight songs. And then he doubled it for this next album. And you're like, no, you could have just made it 10. But like six or seven of the songs all sound like a different version of Humping Around. And it's fucking great. (laughs) You're like, oh, two could play that game. That's like Humping Around. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, Humping Around is great. great. Good album, but just a great, a killer song. A good good first single for his uh, follow-up album. Do you like it better than my prerogative? No, my prerogative is iconic. I do like it better than my prerogative, I think. But I don't like it as much as um, uh, every little step. Every little yeah. step. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my prerogative just for like history. You're like it's it's ground <laughs> it is groundbreaking. Whereas whereas humping around is just a fucking jam. Yeah, it is definitely a jam. definitely. Yeah. Uh, my number two. Let's go to hip hop. Maybe the best sample of all time. A song that I the the first time I heard it while I was driving around Los Angeles. Oh, that late came on in my car. No, 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 not the first time I heard it. But when I heard it for the first time when I was in Los Angeles. Yeah. Driving. I was like Oh my God! I am so happy to be in Los Angeles. I know it now. I know it now. What is it? Nothing but a G thing. No. Is it Dre? Wait. Very close. Is it? Uh, is it? Um, the uh, another one. God, it's the other one. Um, <laughs> it was a good day. It was a, oh, by Ice, Cube. Ice Cube. No, that makes that Ice was ninety two. Yeah, the Predator. Oh, I thought that was nine. No, you're right. That was ninety two because I just moved to Chicago. I thought that was ninety. You know, it could have been nothing but a G thing, but. But the chronic is that thing that we talked about where it came out like at the end of December. Yeah, it's way late. So it's really a '93 album, and even the Predators a little like that. But it came out a few. I think it came out in the fall. Plus, I like it was a good day. But I love nothing but a G thing. But it was a good day. I'll take. I'll take it was a good day over nothing but a G thing. Uh, Footsteps in the dark by the Isley Brothers as the oh. The best sample ever used in hip hop, in my opinion. It's so good. So good. And this is one of those like there's a there's a trio of songs where I know like I could rap them. I yes. know like every word. The other one is the other two are uh, Electric Relaxation yeah. by a Tribe Called Quest. I wish by Skilo and and this <laughs> I one. love that I, you know I, I wish. know every word to it was a good day. This song is one of the reasons why when I moved to LA I was like the first thing I did with Anna was like, Well, we have to go to Fat Burger. Fat Burger <laughs> at two o'clock I mean, in the morning. Didn't though. go at two in the morning, but went to Fat Burger because I was like, Ice Cube says Fat. I mean, he said two in the morning. I got the Fat Burger. We got to yeah. go. It's okay. It's not great. Uh, I I actually it, maybe it's because it was a good day, but I genuinely like. I think In and Out is the overrated one, and oh, Fat Burger you. I genuinely like. I do. I because I've tried other LA burgers. Tommy's is better. Fat Burger is Tommy's. Wit. Uh, Wendy's is better. No, stop, stop. In and out, In and out is fine. It's fine. I, but I, fat burgers, but yeah, are you kidding me? Not only the first time I went to Fat Burger, but every time I have Fat Burger, I'm like, <laughs> two, two in the morning. It's I got like the fat it burger. was a good day. It, it was, was a good, good day. day. Yeah, such a good song. It's <laughs> so funny because like uh, 
there's things in it now that are dated like they have the like, so much of it. Well, like the Lakers beat the Supersonics. The Lakers the beat the Supersonics. Super don't even exist now. It's not even a team. I know, which is crazy. I how know. old that is? I mean, Sean Kemp was such a big star that even I remember. Oh, that's him. so funny that you remember yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So even I mean, and this was like at that time. Yeah, it was a hype. There was a, there was a hot minute where Sean Kemp was like the biggest yeah. thing in the NBA, and I was still young enough that I was just sort of like aware of sports. Yeah. You know. Um, just because as a young man, you're supposed to be, and I hadn't figured out yet that I just <laughs> that don't you care. don't have to if you don't uh, want to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Lakers, be- yeah, his page is still blowing up. Yes, and the Lakers beat the Supersonics. Sonics. I was like, wow, this song is very 1992. <laughs> yes. Very. Very that whole album is great, I, but that song is his killing. pager his pager features in the plot like three separate times yeah. in that song. <laughs> uh, Went to Short Dog's house. What were they watching? They were watching Yo MTV Raps. What's the haps on the crap? Shake them up, 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 shake them. Uh, oh, so That's good. Awesome. It's, it's a great story. It's a great rap. Ice Cube is the. I'm going to give you a real. I don't even know if this is a hot take. It might be my favorite hip hop record. That's a fair Period. assessment. Period. Because there's not anyone who doesn't like that song, basically. Unless you hate yeah. hip hop. If you're just like, I don't like any hip hop at all. But right. even if you're yeah. like a, a casual fan of it or just a tourist of hip-hop you go yeah that's a good song and it's also like you know not to be like uh gangster rap is so violent but like it was refreshing at the time at the height of gangster rap to have the song that was like it like today i had a great day yes. where there was no violence the cops didn't bother me no one i know got killed in south central LA, and like it's just a story about a good day yeah and you're like yeah, no, this really works. Yeah, no, that really works. It really is a good day. Yeah, that, that that does sound like a good like a good day. Ice. Here's why. <laughs> here's why that song is is good. One of my mm-hmm. good friends, Kelly, yeah. is a children's librarian mm-hmm. in North Carolina, and she loves that song because she's like, it's a story song. It tells a story, yeah. and I love a story, and so she's like, that's why yeah. I like it. And I was like, that's exactly right. Ice Cube nailed it. it in a certain way, it's a bad story because there's no arc. Yeah. Like there's no conflict. There's nothing for him to overcome. It's just a, a day where everything went right. But it would make a good, except for the adult content, like a good children's yes. book in that way where it's just like plot point, plot point, yes. plot point, plot point, plot point. The yes. end. Like, But it's good. It's, it's- it doesn't build. It doesn't go anywhere. It's just good thing after good. I went, I went basketball. I got laid. I had some fat burger. <laughs> yeah. Like... And it's, but it teaches a lesson of like, just be grateful, which yeah. is a perfect children's it's, book. It's, yes, it has an attitude of gratitude. <laughs> yes, Ice Cube, attitude <laughs> of gratitude. That's right, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's a that's great, right. great poll. Oh my yeah. God. My number two, again, another obvious one, I had to put it in, but it's legit because it's one of my probably top 10 print songs. It's Sexy Motherfucker. Oh, from the Love Symbol. From the Love Symbol. They couldn't even play the wow. song on the radio. I know. It's just fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. But it had this buzz. That prince, is, he's bad. He's, he's, he's naughty. Punchy. He's yeah. naughty. I just, when I bought that, uh, I know it's the second song. Because the first song is My Name is Prince. And, that, and mm-hmm. you're hearing that, that's pretty good. And then it just kind of, it's a little long too. It's maybe like a minute too long. But then it stops and it kicks right into Sexy Motherfucker. And then remember, I was, all of a sudden you're like, what's happening? What the fuck? Yeah. And then it's so funky. And so just hits so hard. Um, the video is trash. It looks like it was made for a dollar. 
I don't think I've ever seen it's this. It's real before. bad. It's real like gangster rappy. Yeah. Prince trying too hard, but the song they probably only played it after I went to bed. Yeah. You, they didn't play it on MTV. Because it was yeah. sexy motherfucker, so it was like more right, like exactly. the box and shit like that you would see it on. Right, right, right. But yeah. one of my favorite memories of it is when it came out. Arsenio Hall was obsessed with it, yeah. and all in his interview, like for like a two three weeks, when during the monologue he would talk about the song and he'd just go, "You sexy mother," and he wouldn't say it, but he's like, "I love that song. I love that song so much," yeah. and he just kept just referencing it for like two weeks straight. Man, I really wish I totally missed the boat on Arsenio. Too, you know, yeah, even you're if, too young. I was very aware of it because my classmates loved to watch it, and they would talk about it. It was that show and in Living Color yeah. that, like, I'd go to school and my classmates would be talking about it, and I'd be like, "I have a seven thirty bedtime. <laughs> I, I can only watch whatever. One, yeah, I wasn't staying up that late, and like." Looking back, it's like, yeah, no, you're in third grade. You shouldn't be staying up late enough no, to watch our you shouldn't. Third grade shouldn't be up at 11 o'clock, 11.30. Right, no. exactly. So I'm not, like, mad at my parents. But, like, if I could go back now at an adult age, I'm like, I would watch that show every night. Oh, my God. I'd watch the on. fuck out of that show. I'd tape it if I, I was out. I really out. wish I could have watched it. Yeah, I really wish I could have been there for yeah. it. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, and you would have seen Prince yeah. on it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say, if we're talking about the Love Symbol album, I almost picked a song from that album, but it's not even that song. Was it? Well, I know it wasn't the sacrifice of Victor, um, and I know it wasn't Three Chains of Gold. Was it? There's a there's a big hit single off that album. You're not thinking of off of the love symbol. Oh, it was um a seven. Seven. Yeah, it was seven. Good song. I loved seven. That's so at the funny. Time. Yeah, I don't like it as much now as I did when I was a kid, but at the time I loved. That it. was the big and hit. It was off a big. Me. It was a big VH1 hit. Yeah, and I and I saw so I watched it on VH1 because I was allowed to watch VH1. <laughs> so you know of seven. That makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good song. And that one's got a cool video. Yes, that is actually a good video. That's a very cool yeah. video. The sexy yeah. motherfucker is, even though it's my favorite song of the album and top ten song, the video is like you can look at it. It's on YouTube and you're just like oh yeah, I'm gonna look it up. He like literally you can tell you like oh you made this in Paisley Park in a couple of hours and just kind of. <laughs> fucked around with it yeah truly the uh the um what's the movie the bridge the, graffiti uh, bridge the graffiti bridge of his music not videos. too far off reach it's like i ah, just <laughs> throw it out and do it it's fine just put it out i don't care yeah um i gotta say for my number one i almost used ice cube for number one just because i knew you'd be more mm-hmm. excited about it than you would will be about my actual number one but I couldn't front. This really is my favorite song from 1992. And it's a song and a band I've talked about on the show before. It's fucking L7. Pretend We're Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Me pretend yeah. that we're dead. Uh-huh. That's a good yeah. song. Like, it's really good. Uh, the video has these grunge chicks in it with their like cut off, like, cut off jean shorts, but not like sexy Short, short jeans, shorts, like sort of baggy, below the knee cut off, yes. you know, jean shorts, Doc Martin boots and flannel shirts. And they all look like they want to beat the shit out <laughs> of me. You're like, that's my love. And I'm, yeah. And I'm like, yes, Donita Sparks. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I, I love L7. They're fucking badass. Um, the video is so grunge. The song is so like hard and crunchy it's got a little bit of leftover like metal mm-hmm. energy from the late 80s but not in a bad way yeah 
And it's just, I think it's like, like, like perfect grunge at like at its best. You know, I do love um, the, uh, that neener, neener. And the yeah, part. Yeah. that's really cool. That's really cool. Here's the thing that just mm-hmm. thought of this when you brought this up. You did live in the wrong time and the wrong city because yeah. in, around that time in Chicago, so many women look like that. But because it was <sighs> Chicago, it was cold. Yeah. So they would right. do the jean shorts but have long white underwear, the long john underwear underneath it. <laughs> oh, sure. I'd go for you that. You would love that look because yes. it was too cold. Yes. So you're like, well, fuck it. I'm just, just going to put long johns but then put on the shorts, <laughs> then put on the boots. It's a good look. Shorts and a flannel shirt don't make any sense. It's not practical. It's like you still see that in L.A. I yeah. still, the whole 10 years I've been here, here's what I see all the time. Dudes wearing like gym, like mesh gym shorts and flip flops with a hoodie. And I'm like, I'm like, you're prepared for nothing. <laughs> you, you figured out zero weather. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> that's kind of what that looks like. But it's a little bit more like you know, retro now. And, uh, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. You love it. You're right. I mean, I hate to be one of those people who's like, I was born in the wrong generation, but I frequently wish that I was like, truly like your age. Like I wish I was born in 1970. I want to have gone to high school in the eighties and been college age in the early nineties. That's really, uh, that seems like ideal for me. Which is, it's not, and that's not that douchey because it's not like you're saying I should have been born in the 40s or the 20s. Yeah, that's really yeah, my I wish era. I was like, and you're like, oh, right, shut no. up. You're only like, you know, you're yeah. ten, you're you know, just about 10 years off. So 10, 12 years I'm off. just exactly the age where like I was so young. Like I worshipped and looked up to Gen X mm-hmm. and like that defined pop culture for me. And so I'm like, oh, that's what I identify. Yeah. With. Yeah. That's a good one. L7's good. That's, that's the only song I know from them, but that song fucking yeah. rocks. Oh, you don't know Shitless? No, I just know the same album? that we're dead. Because I, I, I got to think that's yeah. their biggest hit. Oh, there's another one called Shove. Get out of my way or I'm going to shove. <laughs> yeah. That's a very Fuck Paul it. song. Danita Sparks is like the most legitimately badass woman in rock. I love her so much. That's a great, great song. That's that's the Paul number that, one. That makes sure. sense. That makes sense. Pretend we're that's dead. That's the way yeah. that you know what. Even though out of love, today was a good day. This is this fits. You got to go. You want it's the right choice for me. You go I couldn't lie. Yes. Yeah. My, my number one is, is the right choice for me, and you already said it. And uh, uh-huh. ain't too proud to beg. Oh, that's your number that's one. That's my number one because just again for me that's I'm not, so happy. That's not my favorite song on the album either. My favorite song on it is. is um, well, it's hat to the back. Hat to the back, yes. Hat to the back, yeah. so good. But yeah. when A2 Proud to, to about A2 Proud to Bay came out, I was it was literally like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this? Who are these people doing this great song? <laughs> like you just had no idea, and then you yeah. saw the video, like just a fully formed, composed trio kicking this mm-hmm. one song, and that like you said, that was the debut, and you were just like, this is amazing, and it was one of those. Yeah. It's one of those rare moments where you go, well, I'm going to buy this album because this song is so good. Yeah. And the whole yeah. album's good. Because yeah. it could have been shit. You could have been like, oh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg is a great song. I just spent $17 on a shitty album. But that whole album is fucking killer. See, I'm really surprised that it's – I wouldn't have expected it to be on your list. Not because I think you don't like TLC, mm-hmm. 
But for me, I consider that like New Jack Swing, and I know you kind of don't. No, I consider that New Jack Swing. I don't consider their second album would not be New Jack Swing. Oh, no, definitely not. But it is like 92. It's like I feel like Ooh on the TLC tip is like the last gasp is. of New Jack Swing. It's like this is the, the curtains closing and this is like what it's grown into and it's really not going to go any farther than this. Um but it is a great yeah, New Jack No, it's Swing New Jack. It's album. definitely it, – yeah. and Ain't Too Bad to Break is definitively a New Jack song. I mean you can hear yeah, it in the, yeah. in, the, in the rhythms. It's mm-hmm. definitively – It's got those Teddy Riley yeah, sounds. It's got, the, it's got the tambourine and all the shakers and stuff. And, right, yeah. yeah. And I'm not mad at Crazy Sexy Cool. But when it came out, they were so praised for like, ooh, TLC has grown up and they're mature now and they're doing like R&B. And I'm like, yeah, and it's great. But I still love the early New Jack Swingy. Is more a little more fun. Uh, is a little bit more fun. Yeah. It's like there's there's plenty of cool, sexy R and B. I loved what they were doing because it was kind of unique. Yeah. And obviously, it couldn't last because by '94, it's like no, there's really yeah. no more New Jack Swing. They they wisely moved on, which was a good move. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. Like, ooh, on the C- TLC tip and Ain't Too Proud to Beg, those are kind of the last bastions of. New Jack Swing, yeah. and then yeah. very quickly by '93, it kind of, you know, because by '93 even like Tony 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 came out with a new album in '93, and that's not New Jack really that much at all. It's very much just up tempo yeah. R and B. Yeah, so it was done. Yeah, it was done. But boy, they 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 went out with a bang on that album because oh. that was so fun. And again, could have been a shitty album with one good song. The whole album, fucking great. And at, even at my age at the time, like it was, it it was, it was teeny boppery enough that it appealed to kids. You know what I mean? It's not like it was childish, but it was just fun. It was so fun that uh, you know us being nine or ten years old, it was like, no, nah, this is great. We love. That's this. really interesting because that makes sense. That like nine, ten, you could hear "Ain't Too Proud to Beg" and be like, oh yeah, that's a cool song. Where I was yeah. in my twenties, I remember my twenties like, this song's badass. So like it really did fill <laughs> yeah. that generation where both it generations worked, it worked on the playground. Yeah. It worked on the playground. It worked at parties too. I mean everyone it, it, it just worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love TLC. I'm so glad that you're number one because I didn't know like I know that you love Chili, but I thought maybe you loved the uh later stuff better and I didn't know I didn't expect anything from that album to end up on your oh, list. Oh yeah, no, that was always gonna be it. I mean it's not my favorite. I mean, my favorite is Creep. I still like, and that's that smooth TLC sound. And I fucking Creep drives yeah. me insane. How much I love that. I'm not a big fan of Waterfalls, but but Creep was. I think that that was like the lead single, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. I think I I think I saw the MTV debut of the video for Creep. Oh, you know how they yeah. when they would show a video for the first time, mm-hmm. they would like do a whole thing. I saw that play for the first time on MTV, and I was like. Because okay. again, I was like, I was like, also just pubescent, yeah. so I was like, oh, I'm looking at them; they're presenting yes. something different to me, and I'm viewing them differently yeah. now. Oh, they're in pajamas now. Oh. They're in pajamas now. They're not wearing like overalls yes. and backward caps. This I'm is like, different. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see you, T Buzz. Okay. I recognize my life is changing <laughs> yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, uh, not too long after Creep, it was Red Light Special, and I'm you, like, "Oh, they're not yeah. being subtle." <laughs> no, <anymore."> <laughs> I know what they're here for now. Okay, I get it. Yeah, now. it's like yes, I I understand. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but there was yeah, there's nothing really sexy about Ooh on the TLC tip. It's just fun. No, even like their like, party, even music. their slow jam, which is Baby Baby, 
is yeah. still a jam. Baby, baby, I love that song. Yes, it's yeah. not an F jam per se. It's just a little slowed down funk song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still groove to it. You drive yeah, to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. yeah. 1992. What a year. Great fucking and year. then also all the albums that came out in late 91 that were defi- like 92 was the year of Nevermind. Yeah. It came out in 91, but Nirvana hit in 92. The Red Hot Chili Peppers album hit in 92. Like it was the year when Pearl Jam and Nirvana yeah. became big. Alice in Chains put out their album. Um, I think uh, Smashing Pumpkins put out Gish in 92. Maybe that was also late 91, but it was it was that year when alternative music became mainstream rock. Yes, definitely. Crisscross came out with their songs. Well, that's the thing is like I love grunge now, but I wasn't into it at the time. At the time, I was listening to Top 40 music. And when I went to the Kiss 108 concert <laughs> that summer, I knew all the artists who were there. I knew Crisscross. Yeah. I knew Color Me Bad. I knew Sophie B. Hawkins. Yeah. I knew Katie Lang. Oh, that's right. Neither of us, neither of us put Constant Craving on our list. Honorable mention for Constant Craving, right? <laughs> yeah, honorable Lang. mention for Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover. Uh, well, actually, yeah, that song oh, that's is a underrated. Good that's, song. that's a really good. I fucking love that song. <laughs> that's a great fucking Sophie song. Sophie B. Hawkins, man, I saw her live. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah, it was just it was the best of times for pop. Yeah, it was the best of times for. For alternative music, it was really that 91, 92. Oh, great, great years. Great years um, for music. Yeah. Yeah. Miss yeah. it. And it, was, it wasn't too long after that that all that music started, started to wear out its welcome and like record labels were sort of codifying it. Yeah. And you'd get like all that, all that like second and third wave grunge like Bush. <laughs> yes. And, was it Silverchair the uh – you hate on Silverchair way more chair. than I do. They were good considering they were 14. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'll give them credit for that. But, but yeah, I know what you're yeah. saying. It's just like the record companies are like, let's just get any long-haired blonde Anything kid with a guitar. Anything that has a crunchy guitar, they get a record deal. <laughs> right, right, right. But in that 91, 92 period where it was pure, mm-hmm. that was a really special Uncut. time for music, man. Definitely. And, and, and on, on MTV, we had those videos – and we had the real world, and it was good. And everything was right with the world. Yeah, and it's, and uh, I just feel like an old man saying, like, when I was young, things were better <laughs> than they are now. They music videos back then. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah, they did. Sometimes. You had to stay up late a little bit. To, but they did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for indulging. I'm thanking the listener and you, oh. Kirk, for indulging uh, this three-episode uh, deep dive into the real world. This was a wonderful journey. But I know that show meant at least as much to you as it does to oh, me. Oh, definitely. And uh, I love talking about the music of the of the time yes. too. But let's not let's not do the 90s for another little <laughs> no. while. We'll come up with something different <laughs> next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, that's it for this pandemic episode. Bye. Bye.